All right, boys and girls, I need you to pay particularly close attention this morning. While the scripture ought to be plain, it is not. Judge not, lest thou be judged is Satan's favorite scripture in the whole Bible. Don't know if you've paid much attention or not, but if somebody turns to you and says, judge not, why are you judging, don't judge me, you'll shut up that fast. We'll all be quiet because the Bible says, do not judge, and we don't want to be judged. And we don't want to judge. And so that scripture is totally misunderstood. We're going to talk about part of it this week, part of it next week. But we're going to talk about this morning can be very easily misunderstood. And I do not want to be misunderstood this morning. Do you understand? This is a very sensitive thing that we're talking about this morning. I don't want people going out of here telling stories that I'm going to have to go up to you and say, Are you crazy? I didn't say that. So, pay attention this morning. Don't want to be misunderstood. This morning we're going to talk about killing gay people. On Father's Day? That's what I said to God. On Father's Day? Really? See, last week I didn't know about the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando because let me share this with you right quick. We have our prayer vigils every month, 24-hour prayer vigils. And I've heard people say, you know, that I pray for the pastor at home, we pray, we do everything at home. This isn't about you, this is about the church. And when we come together in that prayer vigil, that's us agreeing together, lifting our voices to God that hear our church, hear our cry, hear us, O Lord. And the Bible supports that. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, well, over a 24-hour prayer vigil, that could be up to 48 people whose hearts are joined together that says, hear me, Lord. And last time we had the prayer vigil, he heard because he impressed upon my heart that Sunday mornings belong to him. I don't read the newspaper anymore on Sunday mornings. I read it Sunday afternoon. I don't turn the news on on Sunday morning. I didn't hear about the Pulse nightclub last week. And you'll notice, guys, and, and it's just the way it's going to be, you'll notice if you come to complain to me on Sunday morning before worship service that I'm not going to listen to very much to you. I'll be cordial, but I'm not paying you much attention because I'm looking for God on Sunday mornings. That's what he put on my mind. That's what he put on my heart. It's all about God. 12 noon, we get crazy. Before 12 noon, we're looking for God. That came out of the prayer vigil, guys. That's not something that I came up with on my own. We prayed, and that morning, it was like he was talking to me. Not words, but I knew this is what I had to do. This is what I had to do. Where did that come from? Y'all praying for me, for the church, for the service. So sign up for the prayer vigil. Even if you think, well, I didn't... You can pray from home. You can come to the chapel and pray. We have a prayer chapel on the other side of the the church. You can do it anywhere. Sign up. There is power in this. So last week, I hadn't heard about the nightclub shooting. I had no clue about it last week. This week, you turn on television, that's all you hear. If you turn on the news, you hear it over and over and over again. And you hear everybody point fingers. We talk about the terrorist. We talk about gun control. We talk about violence. We talk about, we talk about all this stuff. This morning we're going to talk about killing gay people. 
Over the course of my life, this is where I don't want to be misunderstood, so pay attention. Over the course of my life, I have had several gay friends. We had a guy in my church back home who, I don't know if he's really gay or not. Everybody said he was. If he wasn't gay, he missed a wonderful opportunity. He had all of the stereotypes. He was neatly dressed. He acted effeminately. He loved show tunes. He loved the theater. He loved impeccable dining. He always dressed to a T. This guy had a tenor voice like I have never heard before in my life. We sang together in the choir. Me, him, and a bunch of guys would get together on rare occasion to go running because we hated to run, but every now and then we'd feel guilty like we needed to. So we'd go run and then we'd stop for a while, but there'd be a group of us that went out and did our things together. And I went to the theater with him one time. He was a great guy. He was a baptized believer. He professed Jesus as a savior. He was baptized just like me and everybody else had been baptized. Wasn't in a relationship with anybody that we know of. And he may not have been. I don't think that though. But you know, he was as great a guy as you'd ever want to meet. And if I'd ever needed help, he would have done anything I needed to help me. When I worked at IBM, my department tech was gay. I know that for a fact. He had a wife and two children. He left them to follow the gay lifestyle. The guy taught me how to maneuver through politics at work. He taught me how to do my job. He asked me to dance with him once. Yeah, boy. We went to a party. All of us from work went to a party. He was there. He turned to me. He asked me to dance. I went... thank you no that was the last time we ever mentioned that it was done it was over but he was a nice guy when he left was promoted out of that job I got his job because of what he did to get me ready to take over his job he was as nice a guy as you'd ever want to meet and he would have done anything to help me had I needed any kind of help when I was at Bell South We had a trainer that was gay. I had to spend a lot of time with this trainer. With the job that I was in, I had to spend a lot of time around this guy. He was a nice guy. He was smart. He was witty. He was clever. He was dressed. He was devoted to his students. Does that ring a bell with any of you teachers? I mean, he was devoted to his students. When his students came in to that class, he wanted to make sure that when they left, they knew exactly what they needed to know in order to do their job so that they could be successful. I cringed every time he referred to his husband. I found out that after hours, he was a cross-dresser. Guys... I don't know what this does to women, but guys, I know you get the little, oh. But he was as nice a guy as you'd ever want to meet. And if I'd needed help, he would have done anything in the world to help me. I want you to understand something. I consider these three guys to be my friends. And I looked forward to seeing them just like I looked forward to seeing any of my friends. They were good guys. One of them was saved. 
Two of them, I wanted to know Jesus really, really badly. Now, let me say this about that. I can only imagine the thoughts that some people have when I say something like that. These guys are gay. Homosexuals. And if you go with the West, what is it, the West Borough Baptist Church? Oh, sweet Jesus in heaven, those people down there that I'm not sure, and I'm saying this out loud, and if you hear this on recording, I'm not sure you're saved. It's not my place, but boy, their fruit sure looks funny. But they've got all kinds of names for these people too. So the thought has to arise to you, how in the world, why in the world would I associate with, pe with people who are obviously, blatantly, deviantly living in sin? Why in the world would I do that? Why would I not treat them like I know of two churches treated two teenagers? I've mentioned this, I know in prayer meeting, I may have mentioned it up here before because I can't stand this, it drives me crazy. Two teenage boys in the church, I, listen, this will offend my teenagers and I'm terribly sorry, but y'all don't know junk yet. I am sorry as I am, but you think you're smart when you're a teenager? Y'all know that. You think you know everything, mom and dad are idiots, and what you're going to find out is the older you get, the smarter your parents get. It's like they're going to school while you're going to school. I don't know how this happens. But at 14 years old, at 15 years old, you don't know up from down. And in the society that we live in right now, society is not helping our children at all. So these two boys go to different churches, and they go to the church, and the church doesn't really know what's going on, but they've heard something. And so they go to these boys, and one of them goes to the boy in the worship service, walks up to him. Puts his hand on his shoulder. Son, I know you are gay. You are an abomination. I know he's going to hate me. You are an abomination. You are an abomination before God. He got the law right. Leviticus, what is it, 18.22 or have I got that backwards? No, it's right. Leviticus 18.22 uses that word that, that homosexuality is an abomination before the Lord. He got the law right. And he took this 14-year-old boy, 13, 14, 15-year-old boy, and cemented in his mind that he was an abomination before God forever. Is that what we should do? Is that what I should have done? I hope that makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes me angry as fire. How could you do that to a child? Well, I can tell you how you did it. You don't know what the scripture meant. You don't understand. Now let's level set here because I don't want you to misunderstand anything this morning. Listen to me. Homosexuality is a sin. Plain and simple. Go to the scriptures. The scripture talks about it. And I don't care what your argument is. I don't care if you tell me that they're born that way or it's an environmental thing. They had a 
overly strong mama. They had a weak little pansy daddy. I don't care what you say. I don't care how they got how they got. The scripture tells me when I go to Romans chapter 1, I don't even have to go back to Leviticus in the Old Testament to beat you up over that because if I do that, then I got to beat you up for boiling a goat's skin in milk of its mother and that's Let's forget that one. Let's go to the New Testament. Let's go to Romans 1, where if you read Romans 1, you'll find out Jesus, God says through Paul in Romans 1 that homosexuality is a sin. It's very, very plain there. I reckon the scriptures to be true to me. It's true for you. It's true for everybody. But it's true for me. And what the scripture says to me is that homosexuality is a sin. So I should stand up and condemn homosexuals, right? Because it's a sin. I should condemn them. Well, not so fast. This is the part that I keep wanting to scratch out right here, okay? So y'all just hang on tight. Were you ever intimate with someone with the opposite sex before you got married? Don't raise your hand. Were you ever intimate with anyone of the opposite sex other than your first wife or your first husband? That could be your second wife, your second husband, your third, your fourth, however many you had. It could have been your lover. It could have been your mistress. Did you ever do that? How about this one? Let's, let's try this one on for size. We talked about this from the book of Matthew, where Jesus says, if you've thought about it, have you ever, and I can't speak for women, but gentlemen, we're a sick bunch of guys sometimes, you know that? Have you ever looked at a person of the opposite sex and wanted to be intimate with them and they were not your wife or your husband and you've looked at that person and wanted to do it, but you didn't do it, but you wanted to? It's all the same, guys. It's all the same. It's all the same. There's no difference. Well, I'll have you know, Pastor, certainly is a difference too. I'll have you know, church member, you are wrong. It is the same thing for all of us. We are trying to fill a need placed in us by Almighty God, a God-given need for spiritual and physical intimacy with another human being. God placed that need in us. We are trying to fill those God-given needs with ungodly solutions. There is no difference how you do it. We're all the same when we stand before God. Paul says in Romans 14, 10, but you why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, listen, 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 because we, we don't listen. So then each one of us 
will give an account of himself to God. Oh, no, pastor, I've been saved, and I'm going to skip all that. Oh, really? Which part of all are you not included in? I'm a little perplexed. See, each one of us, each one of us will stand before God. Each one of us. Therefore, he says, <laughs> let's don't judge each other anymore. Instead, let's see what we can do to make it easier for each one of us to see Jesus. That's Randy's paraphrase. His actual word says, therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in somebody else's way. Do you reckon walking up to a 14-year-old boy and saying that you are an abomination before God is putting a stumbling block in his way? Help me here. That's what the Bible says. Jesus is saying here, do not judge lest you be judged, for in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Satan has taken this verse and he has turned it on its head. Every time a Christian says anything about anything with morality, we know that it's right or wrong. This is what the Bible says. Somebody is going to shout in your face, do not judge. And it makes us cringe. And somebody looks at us and says, why are you so judgmental? Anybody ever said that one to you? I've got that one. Why are you so judgmental? So mostly we keep our mouths shut because we don't want to be judgmental because that's not accepted in our society and because we know that Jesus says don't judge. So we put our lamp under a bushel, we cover it up and look what's happened to our world with the lamp hidden. The word translated judge, pay attention, listen to this, I want you to understand. This word translated judge means to judge with an eye to condemn somebody. Now we're going to talk about next week judging with an eye to the truth. There's a difference because we are supposed to judge with an eye to the truth, but we are not to judge with an eye to condemn somebody. You really could say, instead of judge not lest thou be judged, you really could say condemn not lest you be condemned. That's the force behind these words. Condemn not lest thou be condemned. We will all stand before God in judgment. His children will be gathered to him. Those who have rejected him will be sent away from him. He and he alone has the power, the authority, and the right to allow condemnation to occur to anybody. I like the word condemn instead of judging because only God can condemn somebody. And because we know this, because we know that God, God has been merciful to us. I read 1 Corinthians 13, put your name in that slot. Help me understand. Randy is not irritable? Oh my word, go ask my wife just how true that statement is. Ask my son if his daddy's ever, if he's ever, your daddy's never irritable, is he? He's just an angel. My son would probably break down in fits of laughter. You might have to take him to the doctor. I have been forgiven so much. You have been forgiven so much. You were destined for hell. 
You were destined to be separated from God for all eternity. You were, you were destined to live your life where you had to figure out what you were going to do, if it is right, if it is wrong, where you're going to go. It's your responsibility to figure out your career. It's your responsibility to figure out your spouse. It is your responsibility to figure out everything. You were destined for a life of worry and fretting and wonder because you were separated from God. And yet Jesus stepped in and said, listen, here's the deal. You're not God. And if you will allow God to be God, and you will repent from the way you live. You change your mind and say, I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to live the way you want me to live. I trust you to be my Savior. Then all that's gone. And all your past is gone. And everything you've done horrible is wrong. I've got a... This is off topic. It's not off topic. It's off script. I've got a sin to confess to you this morning. I have carried this with me since the seventh grade. Have I got any seventh graders? Give me a little hand if you're in the, oh, that's good, a halfway hand, that, that, as long as I know I'm talking to somebody. Ah, there we go, seventh graders. Seventh grade, I went to Lindley Junior High School. I have always been a person that wanted to associate with the underdog because it always hurt my feelings to watch people that nobody would talk to. It's just me. It's who I am. It's how God designed me. I have always, it has driven me batty to watch all the popular people get over here and get in their little clique and somebody to be sitting over here on the side who is just as kind and loving as anybody else and maybe more so than some of those guys and yet they're shunned. It's driven me nuts. So I always made it a point to talk to those people. Her name was Kathy Gibson. And Kathy, if you ever hear this sermon, I'm sorry. I talked to Kathy. Kathy, not only will you get smarter as you get older, your looks will change. And some of you guys who look in the mirror now, I don't see any of you this way. So let me preface it that way to start with. But any of you guys, young guys that look in the mirror and think you're an ugly duckling, let me help you understand something. You tend to grow up you tend to grow up, and when you grow up, sometimes you look in the mirror, and you may still see an ugly duckling, but everybody else is walking around going, whoa, baby, I'm telling you, I, hey, am I lying? You know it's true. You know it's true. So here we got this little 13-year-old girl that I don't know what she looks like now. She may be a model, but at that time, she wasn't exactly the prettiest girl in the school. And I talked to her on a regular basis. And we had, you can't have this anymore, teachers. Y'all know this. We had Sadie Hawkins Day. Sadie Hawkins Day is when the girls get to ask the guys out, except in this particular case, back in those days, the girl got to ask the guy to be a slave for her at school for a day. And she had to pay money for it. It was a fundraiser. And we had Sadie Hawkins Day. And so all the cute girls are running around to get all the cute guys to be their slave for a day carry their books to classes, get their lunch tray, all the things that you know that you do at that age in, in junior high school. And, and, and Kathy came up to me and she said, you're going to be my slave. And I said, oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to be your slave. 
And she said, well, yes, you are. It's Sadie Hawkins Day, and I bought you. And I said, I don't care who you bought. <laughs> and I told her no, that I wasn't going to participate. I wasn't going to be her slave. And I didn't want to be her slave because all the popular people would see me as a slave to her and might think that she was my girlfriend. How many years ago was that? That was sin. My sins have been washed away. I have a new past. That's why I can't condemn. How in the world can I condemn? Knowing how far I've come, knowing what I've been forgiven of, because we know the condemnation that should have been ours, but instead was crucified on the cross with Jesus, we of all people have to know how to have compassion. We have to know how to have compassion. If we don't, there's something wrong with your faith. We of all people understand what it means to be separated from God. Listen, 49, and I know I'm running a little bit long, but you'll get over it, I promise. 49 people were killed. Most of them, as far as I can tell, were young. I want you to imagine something with me for a minute, okay? Put yourself in somebody else's shoes. Your child, listen, listen, listen. I want you to understand this is not out there. This is right here in gray, stinking Georgia. Okay? Your child chose a lifestyle that was so contrary to you. And it doesn't have to be a gay lifestyle. Some of you have got all kinds of kids that have done all kinds of things. You raise them to know right from wrong, but for some powerful reason that neither one of you understand, your child chose a life that was completely different from your life. Can you imagine what went on in most of those families? Can you imagine how many tears have already been shed by moms and dads and sons and daughters? How many yelling matches have already occurred? How many name callings? How many harsh words that the minute the word, you know this, you know it, you know it, you know it. The minute the word gets out of your mouth, you go, please God, let me get that back. Please let them misunderstand what I just said. I do not hate you. Oh, but you've said the word. How many of these, how much pain had already been experienced by everybody in these families? You know that many of these parents had kids that chose a life for themselves that the parents would never have chosen. And you know that they, their child, you, your child, have cried yourselves to sleep. You know it. That's what these parents felt. Wish things could be different. Hope for a change of heart. Pray year after year, decade after decade for a change of heart that one day, listen, 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 one day we can all be a happy, normal family again. 
How do I know that? I prayed the prayer for my own family. God, I wish we could just be happy and normal one more time. Many, if not all, those Orlando families walked the road we talked about. And then at 2 a.m. on Sunday morning, and I chose these words deliberately. I mean these words exactly as I have written them down, and you can think whatever you want to think about me, but listen. An evil, Satan-inspired, Satan-possessed man from hell shot his way into the Pulse nightclub, a club like many of you have been to, a club that some of you probably still go to. The only difference is, is their club was gay and yours is straight, but the reason you're there is the same. And this Satan-inspired demon walked through the club laughing, texting, Facebooking, calling friends while he shot one, two, three, four, ten, twenty, twenty-five, thirty-five, forty-six, forty-seven, forty-eight, forty-nine people dead and wounded that many more plus a few more. Make no mistake. You make no mistake about this. The people that perpetrate these are not a member of a religion of peace. His God is not related to our Father. While Abraham started the lineage, Abraham, that group comes from Ishmael, and the Bible says that there will always be wild people that will be hard to be controlled. His God is the father of lies whose sole aim is to steal, kill, and destroy any goodness that Jehovah God has created. His God was shouting to those dead and dying people, I will see you in hell. That's what's going on. And moms and dads, already broken, already guilt-ridden about their children, now have to bury those children. Some have relationships that will never be resolved. And parents of the way, parents of the way know that their unsaved sons and their unsaved daughters who were killed will never be seen or heard from again. Now you condemn them, because I can't. I can't. Instead, I'm thankful for fried chicken. Fried chicken wins again. Chick-fil-A gave us the best example in the whole wide world. Truett Cathy stood up and started a firestorm a few years ago when Truett Cathy stood up and he said, I do not believe in same-sex marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman. That's the way it's biblically identified. That's the way it's supposed to be. And he started a firestorm in this country. We have mayors. We have mayors who need Jesus who are trying to keep Chick-fil-A out of their area because of their bigotedness, their judgmentalism. And yet in Orlando, Florida, these people who know the truth and live by the truth opened their doors on Sunday to fry up some chicken, to take it to blood banks and to people that were helping out to feed those people, some of whom I am certain, many of whom at the blood donor line, I would assume were gay. 
and yet not approving the lifestyle, they reached out and the people felt Jesus' hands touch them. That's what we're about. That's what we're about. Father, call to the mind, our mind, our sin, and remind us of what our salvation cost you. Help us to hear the whip popping across Jesus' back. Help us to see the skin torn and bleeding. Help us to hear the hammer on the nails, the thud of the cross and the hole, the cracking of Jesus' joints as the cross thundered into place. Help us to see the agony in his eyes, to hear the heartbreak in his voice as he couldn't see you or hear you for the first time in eternity. Help us to realize your pain is the penalty for my sin, for the penalty for our sin, for the penalty for all sin that was paid for by the life that leaked out of the body of your son. Help us to be slow to condemn but quick to share. Help us to share with people how we've been forgiven, how they can be forgiven. Help us to realize that Jesus can save anybody. He let, we let him save us when he knocked on our door and asked to come in. All they've got to do is the same thing. Thank you, Father. We come to you washed in the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dads, this morning, God's offering you a gift of new life. I ask you this morning, if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, Dad, swallow your pride. Be a man this morning. Man up. Step up to the cross. Tell Jesus that you want your life to be changed, that you want to live like he wants you to live so that you can be the best example possible for your children and lead them to him as well. Moms, if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, give your husband the best Father's Day present ever and turn to Jesus this morning and say, I follow you wherever you lead me wherever you take me. Children, this morning I ask you, if Christ is knocking on your heart, give your dad and your mom the greatest present they'll ever get because some of these people that died in Orlando will never be heard from again. I am thrilled to know that Anna, Ben, and Luke, when I get to heaven, I will see them there one day. My babies will be with me. That's what your parents want more than anything in the world. Don't do it for them. Do it because Jesus is calling you to be his child.